Good morning, church. It's good to be in his house. You hear me say a lot, we are his people. We are the church. We are. But it is good to gather together uh, in one place. It could be anywhere, but there's something about coming together as his church. Um, Dawn and I kind of pulled away from the establishment of church for a season in our lives because we got sick of the what can happen. We try to be non-religious, but you can just be religious about not being not religious. I joke about that all the time. And so, but the Lord used that season. He did. He, he, um, we had a very intimate time with him personally and just showed us that the church is him and us. And it was a very special time of the Lord. I'll never uh, take that time back. But then it was time, okay, you drew away. The Lord goes in the wilderness. You see them drawing away many times in the word. His people, they draw away, but then he sends them back in. And I'll tell you, I just, I believe in the church so much. I swear I'm a, I'm a living testimony and this place is, and so many lives that have been touched this year is such a testimony of coming together, the power and the unity of the body. It truly, you can't do it alone. You can do it for a season, but then the Lord will call you back together with other believers. There's just such power there for you. And, you know, they, they have that analogy, right? You, have, um, you guys have all seen Discovery Channel with, uh, with the lion or with, you know, um, uh, um, the, what are those dogs, uh, the wild dogs, whatever they are, but you know, what's that? Yeah, the hyenas. And what they do is, you know, they wait. And as the ones, you know, the crowd is going together and as the ones kind of drift to themselves, you see these animals come and that's the ones they look for. And they take that one down. The devil's the same way. The Bible says that he he, roars, he's, he goes around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's looking to devour you, but the power of being in the body and in unity will stop that. You know, he'll still try to come and you'll feel his attack. You know, the body feels the attack of the enemy many times. Let me move on. We've been uh, talking about this theme of the last couple of days, last couple of weeks rather, about the small, the little the insignificant, the nobodies, regular people with weakness that did big things for God. God uses the small and the little. He loves the little. He loves the small. He loves the insignificant. And God, it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27, it says, instead, God chose things the world considers foolish. You know the world considers us foolish. They think that, what are you guys doing on a Sunday morning together like this? This is silly, right? But it says that God chose the things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And they sure think they're wise, and that's okay. We're not going to bash them over their heads, making them feel like fools and we're wise. That's not what we're here to do. But they sure feel like they're wise and we're fools, don't they? And he chose, God chose things that are powerless, the world thinks we're powerless, at least, to shame those who are powerful. And God chose things despised by the world, 
were despised as well, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. And as a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. God loves the fool, the powerless, the despised, the worthless, because he gets to be strong. When you come through a situation in your life and the world is well aware that there's no way you should have gotten through this situation, it does two things. One, you are built up, aren't you? That's for sure. There is no doubt when God takes you through a season and you see his hand upon your life, there's no doubt that you, that you know it was God in your own life. But what God really wants to do is he wants your life to be his light. In fact, the Bible says we are Christ's ambassadors. We represent Jesus here on the earth. We are his light. We are essentially... You know, there's some heresies that came out in the church in the last couple of decades that we are Christ. It's not that we are Christ, okay? But we are a, an image. We are the picture. We are the exact likeness of Jesus Christ to the rest of the world. They don't have him in the flesh here. They have us. That's God's picture. Jesus was in the flesh, poured himself into men and women in that time. And then they poured themselves into other people. And it has continued until this very day. Somebody poured into me. And now today I'm pouring into you. And that's God's way. So what God wants is not just for you to know. And believe me, we will go through that. We will know it's God and not us. If you think it's you, then God's got some more work to do on you. When you realize it's not you and it's him, you've come to the right place and then your light can shine. Because other people, not only will, if you think you're it, you're, are you missing it? But also people pick that up in a second. People pick up pride. Like, I mean, they just, they think, you know, if you think you're all that, they will pick it up so quickly and your message is discounted. But those that are foolish and low, but still God does something through them. That's the time that God gets to show himself strong. And he loves that. God is jealous for us, for his people. He wants people to look to him, not to people. But when they see Christ, that's what Matthew 5 says, right? That our light would shine in such a way that when people look at you, it says that they glorify God. They look at you, but they glorify God. They look at man, but they glorify God. That's the way that God designed um, Christianity. You know, it's not religion. It's not rules and formats. It's life. He does something in you. He does something in your life, and then you give it to someone else for him to do something through them. And that's the picture. So I just want to continue with that theme for the next few minutes here, um, right along with this theme. And we can find Jesus' very disciples the, they were walking with him and spending time with him, and they saw Jesus do miracles right in front of their face. 
and yet they had to come to this place. Jesus had to show them this picture in them because you know that the temptation, you can't deny that the temptation could have been to grow. Hey, like we're walking with Jesus here. You know, we're the 12, man. The temptation could have been to think that they've got something and there's a moment here in their life where they realize that they don't have anything except what he gives them. And it's the time where, you know, the, in the Bible it says the title is when Jesus feeds the 5,000, but it should have been titled when the disciples fed the 5,000. If you read through, you can find this story in the book of Matthew chapter 14 and Mark chapter 6 and Luke chapter 9 and in John 6. And every one of those, the title will be Jesus Feeds the 5,000. But if you read it, and I want to read it to you today, the disciples fed the 5,000. You don't see that in the text. And let's get right into that. So I'm going to read it from, from those four books. Um, I like Mark's. It has the most details in it. So we're going to read from Mark chapter 6 and, and verse 30. It says, The apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all they had done and taught. Then Jesus said, Let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. That was one of those points in the movie where you're like, I think that that was foreshadow. So I just think about that moment. Verse 32. So they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. But many people recognized them and saw them leaving, and people from many towns ran ahead along the shore and got there ahead of them. And Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Now Jesus and the disciples drew away. They were tired and they were hungry. There is no doubt that Jesus loves you and that Jesus loved these people. And there's no doubt that the disciples loved the people. But sometimes your flesh gets weak. Sometimes you need to draw away. Sometimes there's a natural part of you that is tired and is hungry. But for the sake of the people, Jesus, it said, had compassion on them. So he began teaching them many things. And in verse 35, late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the nearby farms and villages and buy for themselves something to eat. Jesus, okay, it's time for us to eat. All right. We pushed across the sea to, to find rest. We still haven't eaten. We still haven't rested. Send them away. Can we have some time? And in verse 37, Jesus said, who, who fed them? What's the title? What did Jesus feed the 5,000? What did Jesus say? You feed them. You feed them. 
Now, this next verse, I, I like how the NLT translates it. It says, with what, they asked, we'd have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. In the new King James, King James, a lot of um, the older translations, this actually says, what, to go buy bread for 200 denarius, which was basically almost a year's worth of wages is what he's, they're guesstimating it's going to cost, actually. So I love that it's very easy, very smooth and easy to understand what they're saying here, but it's actually even worse, more than months. I did the math myself. I like that. That's just my mind. I like calculating that stuff. And I said, you know, that's more like a year's worth. It was about a day's wage. 200 work days is a pretty good amount of time to pay for these people. So they say to the Lord, the Lord says, you feed them. And they say, Lord, how? With what? And in verse 38, how much bread do Jesus turns to his disciples and says, did Jesus say, how much bread do I have? Jesus said, how much do you have? How much do you have? He asked. Go and find out. And they came back and reported, we have five loaves of bread and two fish. I, wanna, I wish I could have been there with them at this moment because my guess is when <laughs> the text doesn't um, tell you attitude, it doesn't show you facial expressions. But if this were like my wife and I, it might be something like five loaves and two fish. Um, I don't know what you're thinking, Jesus, but, you know, I mean, we might as well have nothing. We, we have nothing, is what they said. There's not even enough for us to eat. Five loaves and two fish, there's 12 of them in Jesus. There's 13 guys just doing this work. And it says that there was 5,000 men and women and children. Jesus, we've got nothing. And then Jesus told the disciples to have the people sit down in groups of, uh, on the green grass. Verse 40, so they sat down in groups of 50 or 100. And Jesus took the five loaves and two fish. He looked up to heaven and he blessed them. And then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving. He kept giving. Jesus kept giving the bread to not the people, to the disciples. Jesus gave to the disciples so that the disciples could give or distribute to the people. And he also divided the fish for everyone to share. In verse 42, they all ate as much as they could afford by breaking it into microscopic pieces. And afterward, actually it doesn't say that, does it? It says they all ate as much as they wanted. Who knows that people are greedy? People haven't changed in, in 2,000 years. They were just as greedy as we are today. When you're hungry, after a day of teaching, who's hungry after church? Who's hungry after an hour and a half of church? Okay, so these guys were hungry, and they ate as much as they wanted. And afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftover. 
leftover, bread and fish, and verse 44, a total of 5,000 men and their families were fed. I just, there's so many points in this, so I just want to touch on a few. It's amazing here, the disciples. It's easy to judge them because we're reading it in a book. We're reading it in the pages. But imagine, you know, because, you know, we're, we're arguing that they were with Jesus. Come on, this is Jesus. He can do anything. But, you know, this is like, it's like, when you look back, they say hindsight's twenty twenty. When you look back at a situation in your life and you're like, I could have done this better, I should have done some things differently, it's easy to say after, isn't it? But when you're in the heat of the moment, your flesh is weak. It will do what it wants. It thinks out of hunger, right? If my wife and I are the same, though, I brought us up, we are exactly the same. If we are hungry or hot, we are irritable plain and simple. So we kind of have an understanding of that, you know, like, okay, it's hot and we're hungry. That's the reality. But your flesh will shine through. And so it's easy to judge them here thinking, you know, just trust God. Just trust Jesus. He's there with you in the flesh. But they were flesh just like us. They were people. They were men and women in the Bible, you know, that God did things through that were just like us. And it says, just a few things from this text. In verse 37, that Jesus said, you feed them. You feed them. The disciples fed the 5,000. You feed them. And, you know, it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, that we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things, so we can do the good things that God planned for us long ago. We are God's masterpiece, and he created us anew. He made us new in Christ Jesus, not so that then we can say, thank you, Lord, I got what I need and I'm going to move to a deserted island and just take care of my family and my own, and I'll see you in eternity. Has anybody ever thought that like me? Okay, if we're all, if we're people, if there's human beings here today, you've thought that. I got what I need from Jesus. I don't want to leave him. I want him. I just don't want to be with people. We, that's our human nature, to think of ourselves. And that's why Jesus Christ needs to continue his work in us. It has to be Christ Jesus. Because Jesus has compassion, doesn't he? He has compassion on the people. And that's why he in us will cause us. It calls us. It will cause in us to do some things that God planned for us long ago. And so the first thing I want you to think about with these disciples, put yourself right in their story, is that God calls everyone, everyone that follows Jesus is called to feed the sheep. Everyone that follows Jesus is called to have compassion and to give. It's just part of our nature as Christians. And Jesus said to Peter, remember, at the end of Jesus's life here on earth, he spent some intimate time with his disciples, and he said to Peter, if you love me, feed my sheep. 
it's part of loving Jesus. It's part of walking with him. It's part of being with him. It's, it's who we are. And um, I want to make a statement here. It could sound a little bit like heresy, so bear with me. I do that often. I'll say things that shock you, but I'm going somewhere. You are enough. You are enough. Okay, there's the heresy out there, if I just leave you out there. Because God has enough. The disciples didn't have anything, but they gave. They did as Jesus directed. You are enough. It doesn't matter what you have or what you don't have, what you can't do, because God can do more than enough above and beyond And he made, as I said last week, he made creation itself out of the void and the darkness and nothingness. And you are his followers. You now are his representative. As soon as you say yes to Jesus, some people he gives a little bit longer honeymoon. Some people it's shorter, but it's basically as soon as you say yes to Jesus, it's almost, especially when it's a real touch from God in your life, it's almost automatic. The next thing is, is that you begin to start talking about him, begin to, you want to tell people about this, even if you're still drunk, you're still doing drugs, right? Come on, Annie. You're still doing the world's things because you don't even realize, but something's beginning in you and you start preaching and you start teaching, you start doing things for people because it's not you, because it's Christ anew in you. And then those things do go, don't they? Those things, the Lord does take those things from you. He frees you from those things, amen, and causes you to be his light to this world. So you are enough right where you're at, right with what you have. That's an amazing thing. When I've been saying this for weeks, so it's probably like getting irritating, but the Lord says, say this, I want you to preach this theme again, that when you think you're low and you're weak and you've got nothing, they were hungry, they were tired. If they were human beings like me, they're probably irritable right now when they said to Jesus, send them away. Jesus, you promised us some time off here. I mean, maybe, maybe not. Maybe they were holier than me. But they said to Jesus, "What we don't have anything. And he says to them, how much bread do you have? How much, verse 38, do you have? And they said, and, I, and, and some of the other ones, you know, it's in Matthew and Luke and John as well. It says, we only, I love that they added that word, we only have so much strength, God. I only have like this one thing going for me in life, Lord. So-and-so's got this ability and they can do this and they can do that, but I don't have much. I only have this little bit. And sometimes we can think in our lives that we don't have enough abilities. 
We don't have enough money. We don't have enough strength to do what he's calling you to do, what he's asking in your life. And we're saying things like, how can I possibly do anything for God, even anything? Or how can I do what he's asking me to do? The reality is this, you are a conduit. You are not your own. It's almost like your life is a car. And when Jesus, when you accept him, you give him the keys. And we can't say, I'm still going to drive this thing with you in the, in the passenger seat. Like, I'm going to do my thing with you next to me. You've heard me say it a thousand times. I'm going to say it again. Jesus is not a drive through You don't grab him, get what you need, and take off. You hand him the keys. You are no longer your own when you accept Jesus Christ. You lay your life down. That's what Jesus said. If you want to follow me, he said, pick up your cross and follow me. That's our life. But I don't want to skip to the end of the sermon, but I want to give you a little bit of encouragement because I can't leave that weight on you. Jesus will never fail you. When you give him the keys, who knows that he's going to drive that car right into eternity. He's going to take you on the safest. It doesn't mean it will be easy. It doesn't mean the devil won't try to knock you around. But who believes that God will drive that thing the safest possible way into eternity? It might be a narrow road, like the Bible says. There's going to be some twists and turns that are scary and unpredictable, and you don't think you're going to make it. But when you give Jesus the keys, he will never fail you. He will never leave you. He knows what he's doing. And when we come to terms with that, as the disciples needed to do in this moment, that we are a conduit. And the definition of a conduit has obviously some definitions for an electrician, that's for sure. But it also is something, someone or something that is used as a way of sending something. For an electrician, they're trying to send power somewhere and they use a pipe to protect it, to send it from one place to another. You are a conduit. You are being used to send from heaven through you to people. And if we send our human nature, come on guys, let's be real here when we don't let God's power come through us, through us as a conduit, and we let us out, we can be pretty bad. Huh, Annie? With our mouth. (laughs) We can sure mess some things up with just a few words. Something's going to come out of you. You're going to give people something, right? You're going to leave an impression on people regardless of who you serve, whether it's God or the devil. You're leaving an impression when you go about life. And when we turn to Christ, he'll teach us this. He's gentle to us. He's gentle to teach you this lesson. (laughs) But he's showing them that I'm going to send some things through you. So as we read, he told them to sit down and Jesus gave from heaven. He got something from heaven. He didn't get more. He didn't have 
He wasn't Houdini and a magician with a secret box that the disciples didn't know about, and he was hiding them all along, so they thought they brought this a little bit, and he's like, okay, I got this figured out. He did something supernatural from heaven that reached through the natural through the disciples, and they gave to the people. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 8, that God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. I, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 8, and then it's in verse 10, for God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Now, many times we can look at that passage as money, giving, you know, it's a part of our lifestyle. Obviously, giving money is a part of us, but it's the smallest piece of our life. The money is the smallest piece of giving. You're giving your life to this world because of Jesus Christ. You are giving everything. And so this uh, um, this um, scripture here that could be looked at as money and then people miss something. They think that it's just about money and they bypass it. But Jesus, when he gives you life, it's for every part of your life. And so when we read that God will generously provide all you need, it means when you don't have the strength to go on. When you don't have the energy, when you know that someone needs something and you don't even, you want to give it even, but you don't have it. You just have something small. You have something little, something insignificant. But the Lord says, I gave you that seed anyway. The little bit of strength in you, the little bit of energy, just remember that, that you're not dead yet. Remember that you're standing because of me. And if you will just give the little bit you have in this moment, then God takes over and begins to multiply it. But you have to be willing to give of yourself. And it's never, God will never call you at a convenient time. He's going to call you at 3 a.m. As, as a metaphor. I mean, he may, he may wake you up at 3 a.m. and have a conversation with you. But the point is, at the, uh, as a metaphor, when God asks you to do something, when God's calling you to do something, when God's asking you to reach out and to go beyond yourself and help somebody with your time, it may be money, but it, with your time, with uh, the emotional support, wrapping your arms around the person when you don't feel like it, when staying and sitting with that person and just spending time with them when you're hungry. And when you do that, the Lord will multiply something in you. And remember, remember Jesus at the well? Remember the story when he's sitting there at the well and the disciples went off to get something to eat and, um, and he doesn't, he stays back and... 
and he's he's sitting next to this woman and they come back and and he had just spent some time with her and showed her some things in her life and in such he touched her in such a way that she went and got the whole city and said this 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 guy is here who just told me everything I've ever done. He put it, had an impact on her, but they, well, he's doing that. They say to him, you got to be starving, Jesus. And he tells them, I've got food. I've got energy. I've got life. The bread that I'm eating comes from heaven. And so when you give, when you just keep going for the Lord, when you don't give up and you look, if you look at the natural, you're going to say, this is impossible. There's no way that God could ever use me for anything if we look at the natural. But if you just give the little bit you have, he will make you do it. He will never, you will never feel ready. You will never feel like you have the words on your tongue to give to somebody. And when you do, it usually flips you to like, I got this figured out. I know exactly what I'm going to say to that person. They're going to turn to Christ today. Usually when you think you've got it all figured out, they, man, they just lash at you. <laughs> they explode. That's the day that the devil, man, explodes at you through that person. It's the times where you don't think you have anything to give. And all of a sudden you start sharing with somebody. And this word just starts coming out of you. You just gave the little bit you have. And all of a sudden you made an impact on this person. And so the point is that God gives you to give. He gives you to give. He gives you something to give to others. And it's really the way that God works. God won't ask you to do something that he hasn't also done. Think about this. God gave us everything. Everything. It says that in Romans 8.32 that he didn't even spare his own son, but gave him, but he gave him up for us all. Won't he also give us everything else? It's our nature. If we call ourselves followers of Christ, if we are representing Jesus, then we are givers. Now that word has a negative connotation in the church because you think that that's about money. But there's no mention of money when Jesus gave his physical life. You are a giver of your life. You give just as Jesus gave his own. God didn't even spare. He gave us so much as if, this, as if creation wasn't enough, as if having this amazing family that you get to love and cherish and have children and that you get to raise for God. As if that wasn't enough, God's like, you know what? I love you so much. I'm not finished giving yet. I'm going to give my own son and then don't, is there anything else I won't give you? It's God's nature to give and that nature gets transmitted into you as his follower to give. That's who you are. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you give. But the amazing thing about this story is, is that now we're saying, well, who am I? What do I have to give? He's God. We're saying things like, what do I have to offer? And the reality is, is it's not about what you have to give or what you have to offer. It's that God 
gave everything and it comes through you. He'll give it to you. You just got to say, this is crazy. Let's bring to the other disciples. I don't know how he's going to make these loaves and fish last. It's not going to work, but we're going to do it anyway. And they just started giving. And it says they gave it to him one at a time. You have this picture, right? You know, just going one at a time. And the thing is, once you start giving of yourself what you thought you could never do, what you thought you had nothing in you to give, you start just giving a little bit of you. And, you know, a part of it, I have to be fair, because God will bless you, is your money. It's a, it's a small part, but I have to, I don't, I'm not going to shy away from it and be afraid to say it. He only requires such a small amount. He says, keep 90, give me 10. But you start giving this a little bit and those that have been faithful to it, you'll see that he's never failed you, right? Is there some testimony in here, right? He always comes through. You give him just a little bit and it's amazing what God gives back. It never runs out. In fact, not only did it not run out, but there was, what does it say? Leftovers, you start giving just a little bit of your time. You start just giving a little bit of your energy and you will turn around and you will see, maybe not immediately, because it takes some time to feed 5,000 people. Okay, even the miracle doesn't say that they had segues to ride through the crowds. It takes some time to pass around food to 5,000 people. Doesn't come immediately sometimes, but you will turn around and you will see that you will never lack. All of a sudden, you turn around in your life and not only have you fed a multitude, you fed a multitude by being obedient and just giving what you have. Jesus gave you something and then you give it. And then before you know it, you turn around and God worked a miracle through your hands. You gave because he told you to, and you did it. Not only is there a miracle, but the Bible says that in verse 43, after they gave to everybody, they ate as much as they wanted. There's, not, there's no end with God. There's never too much for God. You start giving of your time and your energy, and you start loving people, and there may be some time in between, but you will turn around and you will have so much support all of a sudden, you have family that you didn't know you had around you. You have people that just come around you. You start just giving a little bit and you feel weak and you feel tired. You feel abandoned. But then all of a sudden, as you gave your last little bit, it's not much. It was really nothing. And all of a sudden, you have everything. You have this amazing miracle working around your life because you were faithful to do what God asked you to do. And verse 43 says, and afterward, the disciples picked up 12, wait. And afterward, the 12 disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish. So they gave a tiny, minuscule amount and picked up 12 baskets. You trust God and you give your life. You give it all. You just give him right to the last cent of your life, spiritually, not your money. You give him the last cent of your life. 
of the, this is all, I, I'm just, I'm out, God. I'm tired. In fact, I'm ready for a rest. And you push on and have compassion on one more person and then one more person and then one more person and then one more person and you turn, you will, God will never fail you. Not only will you have blessed an enormous amount of people because of your faithfulness to God, but then God will never leave you. He, listen, we have to go back to the beginning of the story. I told you this was foreshadow. Remember, it says that the disciples were hungry. They hadn't eaten yet. And when you're done doing what God asks you to do, he'll feed you too. They could have divided, they could have been selfish and send them away. And Jesus, we found this kid. He's got these loaves and fish and kicked him out and said, there's not enough for you. Took him and just ate him and had a little tiny piece for yourselves. And we can do that. We can go through life and just have our little lot in life and our little piece. And we can just hold on to it and cleave to it and try to, that's it. That's all we've got. Or we can just keep giving our life, keep giving our life, keep giving our time, keep giving. And the Lord will multiply it. He starts doing something with that type of life and it's just unreal what he can do out of that obedience. And so I just wanna say just a few things here to close. When we think we don't have the ability to do and to give, and it may look insignificant, God says, if you're faithful in the little I can make what you have much and more than enough. Begin to hand out the little, give the tiny bit you have, and it will never run out. You just give the tiny bit that you have, and it will never run out. And then you'll find, as you turn around, that you've blessed people, but God turns around and blesses you with more than you need. You don't even need that. He gives you more than you need when it's all said and done. And it says in Luke 16, 10, if you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. The Lord's looking for us just to be faithful in little, tiny, insignificant, everyday life. You will not have the strength. You will not find it in yourself. You just have to do it anyway. You just have to keep giving. Just keep giving. There's a song by, there's a, it's an old band now. It's a band called Reliant K. And they had this song, and it's just the way the Lord works with me. And it's an old punk rock song, but they had this slow song. And the, the words were, give, give, give until there's nothing left. And whenever I think I've given somebody enough of my time, enough of my energy, like, okay, I've gone as far as I can in this relationship. You know, I'm just, I don't know what else to give. Uh, I mean, I'm trying to, to, to do as much as I can. That song starts playing in my head. That's, the, that's just the way the Lord works with me. Until there's nothing left. Because Jesus said, I gave my own life. And if I gave my life, what else won't I give? And we are, remember, that's why I started with that. We are his examples, his ambassadors, his reflection on the earth. We are his reflection on the earth. People 
listen, you think that people, and you, and you know this, they decide if they're going to believe in God or not because of us. What a crazy responsibility. But it's true. You know it. Because how many people have you known and said, oh, I don't like, you know, I just don't like church because they're all a bunch of hypocrites. So they're making a decision on their eternity, a decision on Jesus Christ based on people. They don't say, oh, I don't like Jesus. I don't care for Jesus. They say they're a bunch of hypocrites. They're this, they're that. And literally you are standing in between the world. It's you. We are his light. And if we will just keep giving, we're gonna be, you're going to be called a fool. You're gonna be, they're going to think you're wasting your time. They're going to think you're an idiot. You just keep giving and giving and giving. And then you just turn around and see what God has done in your life. He will never fail you. And that's what I came here to tell you today. I feel like the Lord really wanted to bless you today to tell you that he is there for you. He's going to do it. He'll, he'll do the multiplying. Don't look at your own life. Don't look at yourself. Don't look at your inadequacies. You just give a tiny bit. It's a tiny bit. I'll get more into the tiny bit next week, even the smaller if I can. And that's it. Amen.